Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our worship pastor, Brian Self. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Uh, I love... I love being able to meet together as a church. Obviously, uh, last year we learned some of the importance of what it is to meet as a church family and the importance that we see placed in Scripture of where God says, hey, there is an importance, there is purpose in God's creation of the church, that this isn't just something that we do because it's fun. It's not something that we do out of obligation. This is the church of the living God. This is where we come as believers to join together to say, we believe in Christ, we believe in him as our Lord, and we believe in the mission that he set out for us, that we're going to go and tell all the world what he did for them. Uh, If you would, with me, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I do want to thank Pastor at some point, Hill watch the service online after uh, he's done there in Wenatchee. Uh, But do want to thank Pastor for uh, the opportunity to be able to preach this morning. Uh, I've gotten to preach uh, several times on uh, our Sunday nights and Thursday night services. Uh, But since coming here, this is my first time uh, that I get to preach to uh, the church that's here on Sunday morning. So uh, it's great to be with you all. I would ask that you both uh, pray for me and pray for uh, my nerves, uh, you know, Tom Lost just scares me a lot, and, uh, and so uh, nervous about that, but uh, if you would pray for me, uh, that'd be great. The passage of scripture that we're in today is one that, uh, as I've gotten to uh, prepare and study and, uh, and memorize and think over for uh, really the past several days now, is one that's really encouraged my heart. And uh, The whole message today, uh, you know, you might see a a title like Stop Fighting It, and and you might think, oh no, what do I got to stop fighting? But I truly believe this will be uh, a great encouragement to all of us this morning, uh, as it was to me. And uh, have you ever tried to fight something inevitable? Uh, That whatever it was, it's coming at you. Maybe for one of your kids, uh, I'll, I'll just show the picture. My son sometimes will try and fight sleep even when he's eating, and it doesn't end well. It's, it's inevitable. It's coming. And uh, at some point, you just got to tell him, hey, stop fighting it. Go to sleep. You can finish your food when you wake up. Uh, in maybe not as humorous of a way, uh, but uh, for those of you that maybe are married, uh, that time when, uh, you know, you, you were beginning to fall in love with your spouse and maybe, maybe you had some hesitation, and, and, uh, but it was inevitable. Uh, I have this pic of mine and my wife's first date, uh, first official fancy date, and uh, it was something where we were supposed to, uh, you know, kind of dress up a little bit, costumey. Uh, I'll just show the picture. I was supposed to be a guy that was a nerd. It's inevitable after seeing that face that she would fall in love with me. 
nice. Some things are inevitable. Falling in love with nerd Brian. Uh, in the Bible, there are some constant commands not for us to better ourselves, make ourselves something great, but to allow God to do his work in us through the Holy Spirit. Things that we don't conjure, we don't make happen, but that God brings to our lives. Uh, the thought would be a passive verb of someone else doing the action. We can see this in Romans 12, 2, where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Ephesians 5:18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, in Ephesians 6, 10, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. These are all things that we're not doing in and of ourselves, but instead God is doing them to us. It is something that is inevitable in the sense of we should stop fighting it, just like Samantha uh, needed to stop fighting against the obvious crush that she had on nerd Brian or my son fighting against sleep. Just needed to let it happen. And in this passage this morning, Paul tells the believers in Colossian, in Colossae about a few specific things that God wanted to do in their lives and that he wants to do in our lives today, but that they and we would intentionally need to allow him to do so. Let's read the passage and then dive right in this morning. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let's pray and ask for God to speak to us today. Lord, we want to ask this morning that you would be glorified in your church. And God, as we come to your word, we ask that we would come to it with an openness and a reliance on you. That we would see that, God, we need you. And we need you to act in our lives in a real and a personal way. God, we don't want to be here uh, just for the sake of duty. God, we want to be here because we want to hear from you. And we want to live the lives that you would have us to. God, we ask that you would help us today. God, we give you access to our hearts and our lives to speak to us this morning. We love you, God. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. We're going to dive right in. And this first verse, verse 15, Paul gives this commandment of let peace rule you. He says there, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Now, there are many things that we would go, okay, it would make sense that this thing or this person would rule us. You know, maybe if there was, uh, you know, let the, let the elders that are among you, let your pastor rule you. You know, we, we might expect something like that. You know, let, let God's word rule you. We might expect some of those things to be said. But here in the verse, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So we know, okay. God's peace, Christ's peace, is supposed to rule in our hearts. What does that look like practically? Well, this word rule uh, is only used once in the New Testament. The, the Greek word here, uh, brabuo, is only used one time in the New Testament. 
most of the time when it was used in ancient Greece, it was used that it was someone who was a director or an arbiter in the public games. We have the Olympics that are going on even at this time, and, and the Olympic judges are those that would rule over the different competitions. And they would say, hey, you stepped out of line here. This person was the victor. This person had whatever failure in their specific field that they're doing. And in just the same way, the peace of Christ is to be that ruler in our life. The peace of Christ is to be the rule book, the judge, the determining factor when it comes to our interactions with other believers. And he says here, this peace to which ye are called in one body. So ye here, uh, you might be more familiar with the common English word y'all. Says the peace to which y'all are called in one body. Uh, Brother Danny Carpenter is not here at the moment, but uh, I'm sure if he were here, I'd get an amen out of him for for y'all. But here he gives the purpose of letting peace rule you. Uh, It's not simply that your peace is for you alone. That, okay, if I am feeling uneasy, if I am not feeling at peace, uh, maybe in my personal life, that uh, I should be wary of that, that I should allow that to tell me, hey, something's off. Letting peace rule you, saying, okay, when I have the peace of God in my life, is that affecting me? Is it then affecting my choices and my actions? But it gives this specific application, hey, you are all called to this peace in one body. It's supposed to influence how we interact with each other. If something feels off, unsettled, tense, or harsh in our relationship with someone else, particularly another believer, then we are to reconcile with them and and find out what the problem is. That we shouldn't let things fester in our our church bodies and our relationship uh, with our families Instead, we should let Christ's peace rule in our hearts. Uh, This peace doesn't come uh, from just ourselves and how great we are. I love the thought, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That this is the, the peace that Christ promised to his disciples of, peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. And it's a peace that the world can't take away. This is something that is inside us. It's one of those fruit of the Spirit. We would know love, joy, peace. This is something that is so vital in our hearts and lives. I love this quote by Pastor Adam Clark. It says, No heart is right with God where the peace of Christ does not rule. And the continual prevalence of the peace of Christ is the decisive proof that the heart is right with God. When a man loses his peace... It is an awful proof that he has lost something else, that he has given way to evil and grieved the Spirit of God. He says, while peace rules, all else is safe. I love that quote because it reminds us of the fact that we shouldn't live our lives in the absence of peace. When we don't have Christ's peace taking place in our hearts, when it's not ruling man, what what a bad way to live that would be, where we know, okay, something's wrong, and what a burden that would be to us to continually have that be ruling in our hearts, that burden of no peace. But not only are we to let Christ's peace officiate our relationship with others, but the end of the verse says, we should be thankful for them. Uh, Be thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ that are in this room. 
They are part of the same body that you are, the, part of the same family. Uh, the phrase is often used, the, the family of God, that we're all brothers and sisters. And uh, not only that, but Paul p- speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the fact that we're, we're a body, and each of us play a part, are supposed to play a part, in the body. And he speaks in that passage directly to the fact that, okay, some of you are a hand and some of you are a foot, some of you are an eye, but just because some of you aren't a foot or a hand doesn't mean that you're not part of the body. And each of you have a part to play with each other. The church is not meant to be a spectator sport. Instead, it's something that we are all called to be a part of in some way. That's why I love when we have these Into the City outreaches that it gives opportunities for each of us to be involved in some specific ways. Not everyone is going to be uh, some of those that maybe are on the platform singing. Not everyone is going to be one of those ones that are downstairs in the clubhouse kids uh, teaching or helping teach a class. Not everyone's going to be those that can uh, make you know great snacks and stuff to bring that everyone would enjoy. Each of us have a different part that we play in our roles and our spiritual giftings, and God designed it that way. But if all of us are going to be working together, if you've ever worked with anyone in your life, or uh, maybe for some of the younger ones, uh, if you've ever been part of a school project that you had to work with other people, you know what it's like when uh, there's some uh, dissension there, there's some fighting, there are some things that don't go well together. But Paul lays out here for the believers, hey, Christ's peace will naturally come into your life because Jesus gives it. You you aren't working for it. Jesus gives it, and it shows up in the fruit of the Spirit who lives inside of you. So allow that peace that he wants to bring into your life. Let that rule or officiate your life, and let it officiate your relationship with other believers. Uh, There's this understanding of work with other believers don't just segregate yourself away from you have to be close enough that there could be tension that there could be strife but allow Christ's peace to officiate to rule to fix and to mend those relationships not only do I see this thought of let peace rule you but in this next verse let the word live in you Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, We could genuinely spend a very long time on just this one verse. There are so many little facets of it that are uh, very applicable to our everyday lives, but we're going to look at just a few things. Here it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This was written about AD 62 or so. Most of the New Testament hadn't been written yet. And the books that were written were written to specific locales. We would know we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians as a church family. And uh, that was written to the church that was at Corinth. You had others that were uh, to the city of Ephesus. Others that were to the general region of Galatia. And so most of the Bible hadn't circulated around to all of the churches yet. So how did the believers know about Jesus? How did they know about uh, what he did for them or some of the things that were supposed to happen in their lives now that they were saved? Well, uh, from the testimony of Scripture, 
as the Christians were going around, they were making songs that would talk about the beliefs of this new Christian way, of, of the Christian faith. And so he tells them here, hey, I want you to let the word of Christ, these truths about Jesus, who he is, and, uh, and these truths that would one day be penned down in uh, what we would have today as the Bible, let it dwell in you. That word dwell is live. Let the word of God live in you. As a very short application, we ought to be in God's word as often as we can so that way it can live in us. It can't live in us if it's never visited. If it's never come to us at all, how would we have the word of God live in us? But not only that, he gives them three specific areas, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So psalms would be, obviously we'd know we have the book of psalms, where it was inspired words that God had uh, used David, Solomon, Moses, Asaph, and others to write in the Old Testament. These were the inspired words of God. They weren't just uh, nice poems. They weren't just nice songs. Uh, these were the very words of God himself. And so he says, hey, let, let the word of Christ dwell in you in psalms. Sing some psalms. Uh, I'm thankful for many of the psalms that we sing even as a church family uh, from Psalm 103, we sing the song, 10,000 reasons, bless the Lord, O my soul. We sing Psalm 42, as the deer panteth for the water. Uh, we sing Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we would sing the Psalms and why we would sing songs uh, that maybe our, our paraphrases are taken from the Psalms. Because this is an encouragement from God's word. This is one way that we can allow God's word to live in us. That even if we might not know the entirety of the chapter of Psalm 34, uh, we would be able to hum a little bit throughout the day. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's just stuck in your head all day. I remember, I don't remember uh, what specific month last year we began learning that as a, as a church family, but I had it stuck in my head for about two months straight. Uh, but the reason is because this is one of the ways that God has ordained that we would have the word of Christ dwell in us. He says psalms, he says hymns. Now, this isn't necessarily talking about uh, songs written by Fanny Crosby in the late 1800s. A hymn is something, uh, a song in particular, that's written to or about a deity. So these would be songs maybe like Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. I think of the song even How Great Thou Art that's sung to God and praising him for everything that he's done for us. He says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And these would be songs that uh, are about the spiritual as opposed to the fleshly. So pastor talked a, a little bit a couple weeks ago about uh, the carnal Christians in Corinth, that they were focused on the worldly and the fleshly. They weren't focused on the spiritual. So uh, he's saying songs that are about the spiritual, and by extension, songs that would be written with the help of the spirit as opposed to the flesh. So really in here, he gives this command of, okay, for, for the Psalms that God has already written down, this is inspired scripture. I want you to sing those songs. I want you to sing hymns, songs that are directly to or about God. And I want you to continue to sing songs that are with the help of the spirit, not the help of the flesh, but things that are focused on the spiritual aspects of life. I think even of the song, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, that's not necessarily speaking directly to God, like, uh, my Jesus, I love thee, but we would sing about the grace of God. That's a spiritual song that we can sing that would help us to focus 
on God's word, on the truths that God has expressed in the Bible. Not only that, but I see here, let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, this one another here, uh, it's you to you, it's Noah to Samantha, it's Robert to Brian, it's each of us communicating the truth of God's word that's living in us, and it's coming out in our psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. These commands are for everyone in the church. Uh, You can see there where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, uh, that you there is a plural, it's not singular. So it isn't just, okay, Veronica, let the word of Christ dwell in you, all the rest of you guys are fine. This is, hey, for everyone in the church, you are to let the word of Christ dwell in you in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. If God's word is going to dwell in us or live in us, as the verse says, richly in all wisdom, that means that God should have access to the resources that are in our hearts. If God's going to have his word dwell in us richly, that means that we shouldn't be holding back resources that are in that house. That God should have full access to our hearts and to our lives as his word indwells us. So Paul tells uh, the Colossians here, stop fighting against God's word living in you and expressing itself in song. Allow God's word to make the incredible changes that he wants to make in their lives. Not only is this command though to let the word of Christ dwell in you for everyone, But this command to teach and admonish or warn each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is also for everyone. Singing is sometimes wrongly viewed in American culture as something for only either women or men with growly voices. Uh, I may or may not have done like a very bad Louis Armstrong impression. What a wonderful world. I, I won't rehash it here. You can ask Noah and and the rest of the music people. It it was terrible. Uh, I almost quit this morning. Uh, But uh, it's not just for women and the men with the super cool voices or with super high voices or super low voices. This is for everyone. For the men in particular, God's word speaks of singing and music that is something that is very manly or masculine And the greatest evidence of this would be David. He was the warrior king of Israel who battled and humiliated hundreds of opponents to win the hand of a princess in marriage. The great David who, as a young man, fought and killed Goliath with a sling and stone, then then, uh, decapitated him and held aloft his head and proclaimed God's victory over his enemies. That David is the same man who, both as a young boy sitting under trees in the fields of Israel and as a wizened old king sitting in the palace of Jerusalem, penned hundreds of songs to lead God's people to sing his praises. Came across a quote uh, in the words of Pastor Josh Tice, Most men have a cultural view of masculinity, not a biblical view of masculinity that shows up often in their singing. They don't sing to God. They don't sing to God in church. They just stand and watch other people praise the one who died for them. 
they don't sing to God in the car. They're too busy listening to talk shows or sports radio. They don't sing to God at home because they can't turn off the television or their phones. And in the rare moments that today's men do sing, it's normally something from the 80s and 90s to remind them of when they thought they were cool. I don't know about you, but that can be very convicting for me. One of the other quotes I read from from an early uh, pastor in the church talked about the fact that those that do sing in the church, and, and specifically maybe some of those people that would lead others in singing, shouldn't prepare their, their voice like a, uh, like a person that would be in the theater. Instead, they should prepare their hearts and their works before God so that their singing would be genuine. And uh, as someone that, that often leads the music here, I would want that to be the prayer of my heart, that it's not something that's a show, it's something that just as in these verses, we are encouraging one another, we are teaching one another the truths of God's word in song. Uh, I was talking to the the music team this morning, and uh, even the opening song that we sang, just expressing those great truths of the faith that we would sing about Christ's eternality. We would sing about the fact that he was born of a virgin, the fact that we will be resurrected one day, that Jesus is coming back. These are all things in scripture that we are teaching each other. We're teaching to new Christians. We're reminding old Christians to keep the faith because Christ is coming again. These are all things that we are encouraging and teaching and warning each other in when we sing. Singing is not just something that we do in order to, you know, get enough blood going that then we can pay attention and be awake when pastor preaches. No, even before the word is preached by the preacher, the music should be something that we would be teaching each other the truths of God's word. I also love this thought here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This word grace is also sometimes translated as thankfulness, uh, that in verse 15, uh, we are to uh, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, and we are to be thankful. In verse 16, we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, singing with grace or thankfulness in our hearts to the Lord. And as we'll see here in a second, in verse number 17, whatever we do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's this thing of, okay, here's what you need to allow God to do. Let God's peace rule in your hearts. Let it officiate in your hearts and in your relationship with other people and be thankful for those people. Let Christ's word dwell, live in you richly. Let it express itself in teaching and admonishing each other in the church in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and be thankful for it. Be thankful for God's word that we're able to have, that we have a resource for our everyday lives, that we're not wondering, man, I I really wish I knew what God thought I should do in this situation. Man, I, I really wish I knew how to fix my relationships. God has given us his perfect blueprint in his word. We have to be thankful for the word of God, thankful for the gift of song. We don't get that just from something that humanity created. Uh, It's something that God himself does. Uh, It says in the book of Psalms that God inhabits the praises of his people. It says he rejoices over us with singing. When Jesus was on the earth, uh, even as he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that as they were leaving the upper room, as he left with his disciples, that they sang a hymn. 
It is something that our God does and has done from all eternity, and we get to join in the joy that he has created for us in singing. Be thankful for song, and be thankful that we have someone to sing with. Uh, One of the things that I hated most during uh, kind of the deepest part of COVID when uh, we didn't really have uh, combined services with everything here was that it was me singing into a microphone, and it was... Carlos or, or, or Pastor Rob at the back and, and Pastor, and it was just me and Pastor singing. And uh, Pastor's a lot better singer than I am, and so it, it was not a good sound in here. And man, when the church came back together and sang, what an encouragement that was, that we are all meant to join together in the praises of our God. But the last thing I want to look at this morning is let Christ be seen in you. So let let God's peace rule or officiate in your hearts. Let Christ's word dwell in you richly. Let it live in you. And the specific application of this passage is let it live in your song. And uh, let it live in your song with each other. But then verse number 17, let Christ be seen in you. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Here he gives this this admonition, this command, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do something in the name of Christ is to do it with his blessing or his authority. So how many of you have siblings or had siblings? Okay. There was no greater feeling of power that I have ever felt in my life than when my parents either put me in charge of my siblings while they were gone or when my parents would send me on a mission to tell my siblings something (laughs) that mom would tell me hey go tell the kids it's time to shut off the tv shut off the games and it's time to clean there's the initial sadness of, oh, man, my playtime's over, but I get to be the one that ruins everyone else's day. I'm going with my mom's authority, and they can't tell me no, because then they're going to have the wrath of mom coming down on them. It's a humorous thing in that situation of going with In that case, my mom's name, my mom's authority, I'm going with it. I'm I'm wielding it to uh, say, okay, this is what mom has said. However, for the Christian, this authority, this command to go and do everything you do, everything you say in the name of the Lord Jesus It comes with a sobering realization. Whatever we say and whatever we do tells the world who God is and what he thinks of them. This would remind me of the third command in the Ten Commandments. Take not the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Many times when we hear that, we we think taking the name of the Lord in vain would be blasphemy. It would be someone that would say irreverently, unholily, maybe use Jesus's name as an exclamation. Someone that would say, oh my God, in an irreverent fashion. 
However, to take the name of the Lord that God in vain is not necessarily to say something like, oh my God, though blasphemy would certainly be something that a Christian should avoid. Taking God's name in vain is to say, God says this when God has not spoken. Um, me and my siblings only did this once or twice that we would say, mom said this, mom told me to tell you this when mom had not said that. And when it got back to mom, and when she found out that we had used her name in vain, that she hadn't spoken, but we had wielded her authority to make someone else do what we wanted them to do, we were corrected. <laughs> I'll say it like that. That part of it's humorous, but when it comes to our actions and our words, when people know that we're a Christian, what we say and what we do carries tremendous authority. I can think even of some historical examples of people that used God's name in vain that said, God says this when he didn't. Back in the time of the Crusades, God wants us to go to Palestine and kill all the Muslims and all the Jews so that he can have his holy city, Jerusalem, back. God didn't say that. And even several hundred years later, it's still a deterrent to the gospel because people say, oh, God, God or Christians did this act in the name of God that God never instructed them to do. He never told them to do. It isn't in the Bible. God wants us to not have electricity or wear any colors other than black, white, or very dark gray. It's not something God says in the Bible, and yet people have done that for a very long time. Maybe a famous example would be, God gave me some golden tablets detailing that Jesus actually came to America. Also, I can marry as many women as I want, and I can start my own currency. These were all things God had not spoken, but someone had taken the name of the Lord in vain. Slightly more humorous example. God said, if you sow a seed of $1,000 into my ministry, this holy hand towel will cure your cancer. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. You can go cover to cover, and you will never, ever find a holy hand towel after sowing a seed of $1,000, curing your cancer. God said, if you wear a double-breasted three-piece suit every day, you'll get some extra crowns in heaven. It's not in the Bible. They didn't have suits in heaven. Well, they don't have suits in heaven, but they also didn't have suits in the Bible. Uh, these are all things that people sometimes try and wield God's power, God's name, God's authority in something that God hasn't spoken. It's taking his name in vain. So Paul gives the command, hey, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, in every aspect of our life, we should be aware that what we do, what we say communicates who God is to other people. That when someone hears, oh yeah, uh, Noah Gales, he, go he goes to our church. Uh, I would hope that the, the testimony that he has would be one that would follow with what God's word says, that he would be using God's name rightly, that he would be wielding the proper authority. But 
as is mentioned in these verses previous, this isn't something that we need to always be scared or, or petrified of. That just as we allow Christ's peace to rule in our hearts, we allow his word to live in us and to express itself, so in the same way we allow Christ to be seen in our lives. He lives in you and he's not going away. I'm so thankful for the fact that we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, that he's, he's the earnest, he's the down payment that God has put on our lives until the day of redemption. God's down payment is not going anywhere in your life. This is not something that we fear constantly and go, man, I, I hope I was enough. I hope I did enough. Instead, this is something that says, hey, I'm going to say, I'm not going to insist on my way, on my thoughts, on my actions, on my words. Instead, I'm going to allow God to show himself to others through my life. How would you do that? Well, if you let his word live in you, and if you're letting his peace rule and officiate in your relationships with other people, it comes about naturally. Uh, I'm thankful for several of the fruit of the Spirit that are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are all things that come as the Holy Spirit lives in us, as he dwells in us. And it comes about naturally as we allow him to do his work. Uh, I do think it's interesting, especially several times in Ephesians and in 1 Thessalonians, uh, that Paul mentions to the believers, hey, what happens with God's growth in your life is a natural thing. It's something that you can allow to happen. But it is something active that you do uh, when you quench the Spirit, when you say no to the Spirit of God. It is the natural state of the Christian to grow and to reside and live in Christ's peace and Christ's word. That's his natural state. Don't quench the spirit. Don't, don't uh, squelch your new nature. Allow God to live in and through you to others. And then the ending of this verse, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Uh, this same general thought is also brought up in Ephesians 5 and verse number... Oh, I went too far. Ephesians 5 and verse number... 19 and 20, he tells them, be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The thought here is, hey, when you're giving thanks for everything that's coming into your life, when you're not begrudging God the new opportunities and challenges and opportunities for growth that he is giving to you, man, when you're giving thanks for it, you can allow Christ's peace to rule in you. You can allow his word to live in you. If you are constantly bitter at God for the circumstances in your life, you're not going to be able to allow all of this natural growth to take place. But as we give thanks to God for the good and for the bad, as we give thanks for the times where we have plenty and the times where we don't have enough, when we give thanks for the times when everything is going great and when we desperately need God to work, 
when we give thanks for it all, man, it becomes so much easier to let people see Christ in us. So the thoughts of this passage, kind of some big picture things, but in small applications, let, let peace rule you. Let it officiate both your, your life and particularly your relationships with other people in the body. Let the word live in you and let it manifest itself in how you sing. Let Christ be seen in you, realizing whatever you do, whatever you say, wherever you go, you are the beacon of God's light to a dark and dying world. And he wants you to show them the same love and the same light that he has shown to you. With baby B, I just love this picture, so I'm going to keep going back to it. With baby B, sleep was coming, whether or not he fought it. But look how happy he is. This is the post-cleaned-off face when mom, mom cleaned his face. But he was sleeping so well that even a wet wipe, a cold wet wipe on the face, didn't even phase him. In our lives, this is what God wants to do in us. He says, hey, stop, stop fighting against what I want to do in you. I want peace, my peace, to rule in your heart. I want my word to live in you and that it would reach out to those around you. And I want to be seen in your life, in what you do, and in what you say. We have a choice. Are we going to try and fight our hardest against our new nature, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us? Or are we going to say, hey, I'm going to stop fighting it and I'm going to allow God to work in my life. Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.